This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Hello, college football fans, and welcome to the Primetime Podcast. My name is Ricky Whitmer, and as always, I'm joined by the one, the only, Brandon Swanee Swanson. Hey, hey, hey. And before we get started on today's podcast, I want to go ahead and pump our Patreon page. If you love what you get for Most Valuable Podcast and you want a little bit more, go check out our Patreon page down below in the description. We got some cool rewards for you guys. And for those of you who, like I said, want to support us a little bit more, $1 a month, you can get an extra podcast, our first one for May, over an hour of content, only for a dollar. So why not? And you may be thinking, hey, Ricky, uh, Brandon sounds different again today. What did you do with him? Well, Brandon went home to see his mother for Mother's Day. How how is how is your mother, Brandon? No, Denise is doing very well. We had a very nice day. Me, my mom, and my dad had a nice day yesterday. It was a very nice day. How was how was the day with your mother, Ricky? Oh, uh, it was it wasn't too bad. Just my mom's the kind of person that's like, you know what? Leave me alone. Give me some space. Okay, Happy Mother's Day. And then she likes to do her own thing. So it was kind of like a. Oh, happy Mother's Day. I love you. And then, okay, you want to do your own thing. So it, it was a nice weekend. Wait, what'd you, what'd you get her? What'd you get her? I bought her a couch. I thought that was your couch. No, no, no. I bought myself a couch, and then she wanted a couch, so I ended up buying her her couch. You bought yourself a couch and her a couch? Yep. Just rolling in the jaw over there. Hey, hey, I'm trying to I'm trying to work with what I've got, but we've got a jam-packed show like we do every week for you guys, and we're going to be talking some Texas A&M. Could this be Kevin Sumlin's last year at the helm for the Aggies? We're also going to take a look at the Big 12 and which teams they should look at to a possible expansion, if there is ever going to be an expansion in the Big 12 then we're going to end the show looking at an unknown stud, as Brandon calls him, in O.J. Howard with the Alabama Crimson Tide. But, Brandon, let's start with Texas A&M. And this is a team that is completely like, if they were a train, they didn't just get off the wheel bearings. They are completely off the track, and they are riding just on a one-way mission to who knows where, They've got players decommitting left and right. They've got quarterbacks transferring left and right. They have assistant coaches who go on Twitter rants and then have to apologize for them. And I'm going to be—I'm just going to be frank and say it. Is this going to be Kevin Sumlin's last year as the head football coach at Texas A&M? You know, Ricky, I think that that's a, that's a really good question because right now uh, with Texas A&M, what's been going on at the of these tweets. I mean, now this is now two weeks in a row we've had a talk about tweets coming from someone in the SEC, even though it wasn't in the last couple of weeks because, um, not tweets, but tweets or, or text messages, something like that within the SEC. I think what if Kevin Sutherland, if he wants to keep his job, honestly, I would have fired that coordinator. I would have. I would have fired him. There's no place for that. There's no place for that in my squad. If I'm Kevin Sumlin, there's no place for that. Uh, you just lost yourself two excellent recruits on the offensive side. And right now, the last time I checked, your offense 
Well, yeah, and I mean, the offense hasn't really been anything since Johnny Manziel left, right? That's the last time that Texas A&M has had a quarterback. And if you're thinking, well, Ricky, I haven't seen any of this. What's going down? The assistant was um, his last name. It's assistant coach Moorhead. And he went on a Twitter rant, Aaron Moorhead, that is. He said, and I quote, I feel sorry for people, PPL, who never understand loyalty. I can't really even vibe with you. Didn't spell out you. Just put the the letter U. At the end of the day, trust is 100 and everything else is BS. And I see this and I go, well, first off, okay. I, I mean, I can understand what you're saying. But first off, I go, if you're an assistant coach and you're sending tweets that you can't even spell people or you're going to put the letter U instead of spelling out U and you're going to text basically like a high schooler would, you lose all credibility to me. And that's the thing. And I know that you could say, oh, well, Ricky, he was just using text speak. But that's the first thing I see. You know what? Tweet like a man. Tweet like an actual adult who understands the English language. But on the other side, I say I understand this, but I don't necessarily agree with it. Because the way I see this is these high school kids, the best way I heard it described, and this may spark a different conversation, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. It was when Mike and Mike were talking about a recruit that decommitted from Ohio State because he was walking in the hallway and Urban Meyer didn't recognize him. So he decommitted. And uh, Greeny, I believe it said, he said that he hates how it's called commitments. They should just be called agreements because that's what they are. I am agreeing to maybe come to your school until I sign that paper. We use the word commit and it's like, Oh, it's set in stone. You're going to come here. No, these players can flip-flop. How many times on National Signing Day do we put, oh, well, this guy was committed here, but he's not going to play here anymore. So I I really don't agree with this. It's like this kid could make the decision to go to your school for whatever reason, and if he doesn't see it as the right fit, it's his right as a kid or as a player, as a human being to say, I don't want to go here. Rich, honestly, I think two things out of this. One, there are only 140 characters that you can use while texting. So you really are limited. So you may have to choose the letter U instead of the word U. I will stand up for him in that sense. Twitter is very tricky like that. Only 140 characters, so you got to get creative. The other thing, the other thing, the bigger thing is these are kids. Our kids, no matter how much we want to treat them like adults, from the beginning they get to college as a freshman on the field, they are kids, 18, 19 years old, children, people, kids, okay? So I think that's a huge issue. Another thing, how often do kids act on impulse? And not even just kids, but people. We act on impulse. Someone pisses me off. I, I do something right away based on impulse. Someone says this one of my friends off, I act on impulse for them. You know, how many times have we seen that? That's why I agree with your point. You make it an agreement. That's what it is. It's an agreement that I may come to your school. Because how many times can you change? You don't have to be in 
committed. You can be committed, but then, oop, all of a sudden, I'm no longer committed. That's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. Well, and I mean the commit or the decommitment, I should say, came from Manny Netherly, in case you did not know. And he had more than 140 characters to say in reply to that tweet, but he tweeted out a picture of a note that he made in his phone. And it said, after tonight, I see what kind of person my future coach is and myself don't want to play for someone like that. So without further ado, I would like to announce that I am decommitting from Texas A&M. And to me, this goes right back to the point you made at the beginning of the podcast, Brandon. How the hell did this happen? And Kevin Sumlin didn't make any kind of a move. Like, to me, that is... And I'm not saying that necessarily this is something that, you know what, you did it. You're going to get canned. I mean, you can say that. You can be on that extreme. But how many times have we seen people tweet out stupid stuff and it's like, okay, like it wasn't that bad. They probably shouldn't be fired for it. So I don't know if I can say I'm completely 100% in the boat that Moorhead should be fired. However, how has there been no kind of reprimation for this from Moorhead besides the fact that Moorhead tweeted out, I love Texas A&M football. I guard it and respect it with my life. I don't take that lightly day to day and end up apologizing for it. Well, I'll be honest with you. I do think you should be fired because not only did you lose yourself one recruit, you lost yourself two recruits. You lost yourself possibly three recruits, four recruits. This could go down the line. And if he's tweeting stuff like this out, you're the grown man. You are the grown man. These kids, not so much. Stuff like that does happen, okay? He's the grown man. Be a grown-up. Be a freaking grown-up. You should be fired because you did not honor the Texas A&M name, in my opinion. You did not honor it. If you're, if you're a Texas A&M guy, have class. Have some class. Don't take to the Twitter world where it's so easy to say whatever you want. Behind a phone, behind a computer, behind a tablet. Do not do that. And then tell me how you respect and you adore and you honor this great program. No. You dishonored the program by doing what you did. Don't go back on it now because it's too late. You lost yourself what you wanted to get. You're the adult. Act like the adult and everything would be okay. That's the problem. So many times. That is why people should just stay off of social media when they're upset, when they're angry, anything like that. Because guess what? Not a good thing will come of it. We're learning that. We are learning that. Well, and I mean, the first thing I think of is when you say, oh, behind a tablet, behind a phone, it's kind of like the keyboard warriors that you may see online, no matter what website you are. It's so easy to say something when you don't have to face it face-to-face. Now, if Netherly and Moorhead were in the same room, I don't think that Moorhead even makes comments nearly remotely close to this because, you know, I'm not going to, oh, I can, you know, respect the name of Texas A&M however I want and have loyalty, but I just don't think he'd have the cojones 
to say it face to face. But the one thing I am going to flip this conversation to is more on Sumlin. And because of everything that has happened with the decommitment of this quarterback, the decommitment or transfer, I should say, of two other quarterbacks. Yes, you have brought in a transfer to be your starting guy. However, is this a season where Kevin Sumlin, let's say he doesn't get to a bowl game or even goes six and six and gets to a bowl game? Does Kevin Sumlin need to do well enough, like let's say maybe two losses or less, to save his job at Texas A&M? I was just going to say Kevin Sumlin's got to be 94 or better. He's got to be 94 or better because if he is not, uh, his job is on the line. His job is on the line. I think people thought that his job would be on the line at the game five season last year. They didn't play well. And now seeing that all of these people, one, are not coming and two are leaving, it's not positive signs for the program. How do you get that program? And it's going to be someone who has to do it. He has to take it by the reins and say, hey, this is Texas A&M football. This is what we do here. This, we, we need to not necessarily reinvent ourselves, but we need to find ourselves. We need to get back to what we did before. You know, Johnny Manziel was a great football player at Texas A&M. Under him, the program thrived and flourished. People wanted to be there. People wanted to be those players. Other guys wanted to be those players. Where is that now? Where is that now? Who, who, and then also, who on the team is doing that? Who on the team is going out and, and repping the team like that and saying, you know what? This is what Texas a football is. This is what you want to be like. I don't see it. I don't see it from the players' perspective. I don't see where that is, and maybe that's just me. But I think they need to have some, some team leaders really step up, really step up to the plate and say, hey, this is our team. We, we've got to play well. We've got to play well not only for us, but we've got to play well for our coach, too, if we want them to be here after this year. Well, and what you just said, the last thing you got to play for your coach if Kevin Sumlin's smart, and I don't know how you go across from this from a coach side, it has to, I think it has to come from the players, actually, more when I think about it. This is a perfect way for this season for the for the Aggie players to say, hey, you know what, we gotta, let's win this one for the Gipper. Let's do well this season and basically win it for the Gipper. And if Kevin Sumlin's players can come to that kind of, I don't want to say realization, but like that kind of attitude to the season, then I think that, okay, Kevin Sumlin may be able to keep his job. But the way I see it is Texas A&M, you've been on a steady decline. You were 11-2 in his first year, then 9-4, and and then eight and five and eight and five. And I mean, that's just overall records. He was six and two, four and four, three and five, and then back to four and four in the SEC. And I, I don't know. I kind of want to be a little bit bold with this one. And when I say that is nine and four may not be enough to cut it because you think of it this way, nine and four is one win better than the Aggies had last season. And if they had nine and four last year, let's I'll give them a conference game. They'd be five and four 
in conference, and that would mean they'd be tied with LSU. I think you have to be better than that. You have to, if you're Kevin Sumlin, in order to keep your job, I say you either have to win the West or be second in the West at the least. That's what you need. And to be honest, it ain't going to happen because Alabama is fucking Alabama. And then Old Miss, they're not chump change. I know everything that we talked about last week with Old Miss and their drama, they're still a good football team. And Arkansas seems to be on the cusp of getting better. So with Texas A&M, I feel like this season, the way I see it, it's not going to be it's not going to be a bad season like you're not going to go 2 and 6, 1 and 7 in the conference. You're going to be I'd say 7 and 4 at the worst. But if you go 7 and 4, I feel like no matter what, unless he wins the SEC West, wins the SEC or finishes one game behind Alabama, in the in the division at number two, someone's gone, and we're looking at we're talking about a new era of Texas A and M next season. And I really hope that doesn't happen. I like Kevin Sumlin. I mean, he's a good coach. I think he's done some really good things there with the guys. But I do think that it's time for him even to step up the step up to the plate and say, "What can I do better? What can I do better? How do I get these guys motivated to?" want to go out there and not only win, guys want to win. He wants to win. Everyone wants to win, but go out there and then make it happen. Everyone wants to win, but not so many people make it happen all the time. I think that he really needs to re-energize his group, and I think if he does that, however, it will be a daunting task there in the West and the SEC. That's big because that's a top-ass division, but I think that it's something that can be done can be done if you go out there and play well. So, okay, we are actually going to now switch directions and go from Texas A&M and Kevin Sumlin to the Big 12. And the reason why we're talking Big 12 football today, and I feel like we've kind of had this conversation before, but it's a conversation that's not going to go away until the Big 12 decides to do something. There was an article on ESPN from Jake Trotter, a staff writer for the mothership, and it was 10 candidates that the Big 12 could use in an expansion. And Brandon, the one thing I thought when just seeing this article was this has to happen. I said it before, I'll say it again, this has to happen. The Big 12 needs to add at least two more teams because if you add at least two more teams, you can have two divisions and then you get a Big 12 title game back, and then we're not talking come playoff time. Well, they didn't win their conference title game. Yeah, Ricky, how long, how many times last season did we talk about that? How many times last season did we talk about them to add and how it didn't make any sense that they were the Big 12 with 10 teams. They don't have two different conferences. Uh, I, I just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This move absolutely would make sense if they do it. Yeah, and I mean, the the teams that I look at, I don't know about you, Brandon, but the two that I see from this list of 10 that Trotter points out there, because I'll go off of his list first. Two of the teams just from his list that I feel like could make the most sense. 
the Houston Cougars, because look at what they've been able to do. They haven't been a pushover, but now that they have Coach Tom Herman there, this is a team that is on the rise. 13-1 and last season. They're probably going to be just as good again this year because Tom Herman is doing what a head coach needs to do, and he needs to create a culture, and that's what he's done at Houston. I wouldn't be surprised if someone gets fired, and we're talking about Tom Herman maybe taking over the Aggie job, but they would bring in revenue for this conference. They would strengthen rivalries within the state of Texas. You already have Baylor. You already have Texas. You did have Texas A&M. So what's not adding another Texas team? to this conference, and then Memphis. Because the thing, I know that geography is getting thrown out the window with some of these conferences. I use the Big Ten as the big example, pun intended, where they added like Maryland and Rutgers to try to get that northeastern market into their conference in order to increase their revenue and just get a different fan base. And with the alumni being in the Northeast. So to me, it's easy. Houston and Memphis are the two teams you have to target if you're the Big 12 at the least. I don't know about you. What teams would you say, boom, the Big 12 needs to add these guys into their conference? I think those two absolutely make sense. Um, I think, uh, you know, what about like a, about like a Boise State or something like that that could go in there as well? Yeah, I mean, Boise State, to me, the the only thing I have against Boise State is they don't seem like that same team that Coach Peterson had. You know what I'm saying? Like, when Coach Peterson was there, it was always, oh, this team should be in a Power 5. This team should be in a Power 5. They lose them. It's like, okay, 9-4 and four last year. That's true. Uh, that, that's true. I, I think the other two, the two that you mentioned, I, I also agree with both of those. Those make the most sense. I think that my question is why has it taken so long? Why has this taken all the way till now to happen? That it doesn't it doesn't make much sense to me because those two teams, I think to almost everybody who understands anything about college football and region, which should be mostly everyone because everyone should have been taught that in school, um, why has this not happened as of as of today? Like if it's still we're still waiting for it to happen. Why has it not? Why has it taken them so long to finally go, Oh my gosh, we have one hell of an idea, even though everyone sitting around them has been saying, Yeah, we've had that idea for years, buddy. Yeah, and I mean the one thing that kind of puzzles me is it's kind of two things and I look at an article here also by Jake Trotter where it just reads, Oklahoma Regents chairman opposes Big 12 expansion. And it's confusing because the Oklahoma president in David Boren, has he's been the most vocal advocate for a Big 12 expansion. And he's been saying that, and I quote, that the league would be psychologically disadvantaged until they return to 12 members because that to me is the bottom line of it. You're called the big 12 and you have like, it's different if you're the big 10, but you have 14 members because it's like, okay, you added some more, 
But if you're the Big 12 and you have 10 members, that's where you get, that's where it sounds bad. Yeah, it certainly does sound bad. I mean, that just, that just, that just looks bad. Why you only have 10 members, you, you detracted from what you had before. I mean, you no longer even can live up like you said to the Big 12. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the one thing I was going to get to also is Max, and I hope I'm going to say this name right, or the chairman for Oklahoma's Board of Regents, but Max Witzenhofer, he's on a different—it's weird, though, because Boren, who's the president of Oklahoma, is in favor. Witzenhofer, the the chairman of the board at Oklahoma, is against it. And the quote that I'm going to use from Witzenhofer is— I just don't feel expansion is in the best interest of our football program based on all the accomplishments we achieved last year, both on the field and academically. I see no need to increase the size of our conference, end quote. You know what I do if I'm the college, and I don't want to say this, but I am going to say this. You know what I do if I'm the college football committee this year when I see that quote? I go, okay, guys, unless the Big 12 goes undefeated, they ain't getting in. Not getting into the playoffs unless they go undefeated. That's what I see there because the big thing with this expansion is the only reason that I think Witzenhofer is saying this, I'm going to call it garbage. He's saying this garbage is because Oklahoma got into the playoff. If Oklahoma wasn't getting into the playoff, what accomplishment are you talking about? on the field. What accomplishment are you talking about? So to me, I see it as fuck it. If you're unless you go undefeated, you ain't getting in. Now what accomplishment do you have? However, the side of me says you can't do that because then you're putting an entire conference. You're putting the TCUs, the Baylors, the up and coming Texas team, you're putting all of them at a disadvantage. You're punishing them because of one asshole at Oklahoma. He doesn't, he doesn't want expansion. He doesn't want any more competition. That's it. More competition. He likes people, like you said, he likes being able to have his accomplishment, get in and everything like that. If I'm them, if, if I'm Oklahoma, and I'm as good as I think I am, and I do, I think, I, I think Oklahoma's a pretty good team, I welcome it. Bring on more competition. We'll continue to show you how good we are. Mm-hmm. You know, well, and I mean, you can even look at it this way. Missouri, they're not there anymore. Nebraska, they were pretty good. They're not there anymore. Texas A&M, they were pretty good. When they were at the height of getting better, they're not there anymore. So it seems like these teams are getting good in the Big 12. And if you don't expand and make the division and the conference tougher, teams are going to leave because there is no more loyalty in college football for conferences. If that was the case, we wouldn't have this expansion talk every single offseason. You know what I mean, Brandon? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's got to come a day when we don't have this expansion talk anymore. They just do it. I don't understand. I can't stand it. It really kind of makes me irritated because I still don't understand 
why is it so difficult to just add a couple of teams, get back to an actual big 12, 12 team uh, league, and, and that's what you got. I just don't get it. I just don't get it. Why do we have to continue these conversations? There, I think, are more than enough people who are in favor, who are in favor of doing this, of expanding. Just take a freaking vote. You're going to have more people than not who are in favor of it, and do it. You are hurting, possibly, and probably hurting college football in that sense. Stop doing it. Well, and the one the one thing I want to quote, and this goes off of a point that you made why you said Witzenhofer made these comments is because of competition. In the Jake Trotter article where he gives the 10 candidates for the expansion, I'm just going to quote it and read it verbatim because I cannot, like, I can't say it better than Mr. Trotter. He says, and I quote, this is the case against Houston being in the Big 12. He says, and I quote, Though Houston is one of the top media markets in the country, the Big 12 already has a strong influence there. Texas would probably or Texas probably would be against bringing in another school from within its own state. It would have to recruit against, especially given the SEC's recent encroachment into the state. Houston's potential in the Big 12 would be significant, which in this case might work against it. End quote. And to me, I read that and I go, it pains me. Because if you're a good team and you finish 13-1 and in your conference, why should you have to stay in a shitty conference and not be able to make that next step? All because a big brother like, and I'm going to say Texas because that's who Trotter mentioned, because a big brother like Texas says, no, we don't want to compete with you. Or like in Oklahoma says, we don't want to compete with you. It kind of goes back to the, oh, well, we're not going to schedule this non-conference game in your building because if we lose, it's going to look really bad. It goes back to that even conversation of just why are you so afraid of these teams? I get it. You may lose, but you should want to welcome that competition like you were saying. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's all, it's all, about, it's all about competition, and apparently what we're hearing, it sounds like it's other teams. They seem to proclaim to be so good, the media mogul, you know, they're getting all the media coverage, everything like this, all these teams proclaiming all these great things about themselves. It's those teams that are afraid of it, and that's the fact. And the last thing I'm going to mention in this discussion is there was an article put out. It was right after I sent you today via email the topics that we were going to talk about on the podcast today. It's an article by Ryan McGee. It'll be down in the description for you guys to see. He came up with if every single Power 5 had 16 teams, and you can check it for your favorite conference, but right now, just because we're talking about the Big 12, I'm going to tell you, Brandon, what the Big 16 would be consistent of, and it would be two divisions, the North and the South. Here's who would be in the North. So the teams from the Big 12 that would stay in the North, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Kansas, Iowa State. So that's, what, 14? No, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6 teams. The other two that would be additions, you'd get the BYU Cougars, and then Air Force would be your two additions 
to that conference. On the other side, Baylor, Texas, and Texas A&M are the only people that are staying. And then you would have SMU, Tulane, Houston, Rice, and New Mexico. And that would make up your 16-team Big 16. I mean, that, that's interesting. I don't know how likely that would be to happen. Um, I, I think that uh, we're, at this point, we're more likely to just get two more teams added to the Big 12, and that's going to be like pulling seats as it is. So uh, maybe we should hold off on a, on a Big 16 for now. Well, yeah, I, I just think it's cool just to look at the article and be like, wow, wow, what if we did have 16-team power conferences and what would that be like? But, yeah, th- this needs to happen. And I want this is the part of the conversation. I want you guys to tell us down below what you guys think because this is a kind of topic where everyone has their own opinion. Everyone's got their own opinion of what team should be added. I want to know what you guys think. Let us know down in the comment section. But we are going to end today, tonight, this week's podcast, whatever time or day you're listening to us, with a specific topic to Brandon's favorite team, the Alabama Crimson Tide. And it's plain and simple, Brandon, and just like I was in the first segment, I'm going to be frank again and hit you with the question, could O.J. Howard be the next star for the Crimson Tide? Yeah, absolutely could. Just no one knows it yet. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny because Lane Kiffin, he joked and he said after after Howard went off against Clemson for like 205 yards in that in that national championship game, Kiffin said, yeah, we were just saving until this game, making sure he was fresh. I mean, the guys literally, the coaches literally forgot about him. They, they, they just didn't know he was there. And Nick Saban even came out and said it was bad coaching on his end for not utilizing him. You know, sometimes one of those diamond in the rough guys, mm-hmm. but you have a grown team and you don't even know it. So yeah. I think that Howard really can be something special. I praise the guy for not going to the NFL draft, coming back and playing in his senior season coming upcoming this year. And right now it looks like it's going to be a really good thing because Todd McShay is way, way, way too early bullshit. <laughs> it's a prime time podcast at NBC, all the stupid-ass drafts we do. I love them all, but I don't really. But I have to say that that's what they pay me for, um, is that he right now is number 16 on that way-too-early draft board. That's really good. You're reading my mind because I was, as you were saying that, I was typing in our login to the insider so that I could see the draft. And he's going in the team that he'd be going to in the way, 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 way too early mock draft would be the Tennessee Titans. And don't worry, guys, I'm coming out with my way too early mock draft because I know you guys love these mock drafts. Not going to leave you hanging there like Brandon would. But, I mean, he he could be an interesting, and I'm going to go more to the side of with that draft, he could be an interesting prospect once we get to the draft. Because if he has a good season at Alabama, there's a few teams that could use a tight end. And I'm going to say something here. And 
it, it's way too early to say this, but Brandon, I'm going to say it anyways. The one position we talked about on behind the pen last week because Mr. Rankin brought it up was the Bears could need some help at the tight end position this year or following this year. I say hell, if he has a good enough season, there's a chance the Bears could take a stab at him in the first round next year. It's way too early to say what round he'd go in, but if the pick is right, I could see the Bears being a team that he falls to, and that'd be great for you. He'd play for your favorite college team and then your favorite pro team. I mean, it's definitely a need the Bears have right now. We don't don't have tight end that we, we don't have the tight end that we have that Miller, the Bears we, tight play, play, I play on the Bears not even close <laughs> they, they have Zach Miller right now Zach Miller is a serviceable tight end will do a good job, but the Bears always a tight end, it's always been a position outside of the Greg Olsen years, but we didn't even respect him when he was with us um, which is really a shame because now everyone has seen what he's done with the Panthers the Bears have always been so inconsistent at that position outside of Olsen. Really, it's never been a consistent position for Chicago. So I think that that could be a fit if, if you know, the fight is right, if everything's right. Um, way, way, way too early, you can talk about this stuff because literally way, way, way too early means you're just guessing. You have actually no back well, yeah, we, we don't know what's going to happen in the season. I mean, O.J. Howard could come out and lay a dud, and then no one's talking about him. But another thing another thing I want to say about Howard that I think works well for him this season as he gets more touches is he is like the shiny new toy this year for Lane Kiffin to work with. And I I can see it right now, Kiffin drawing up plays for Howard to get him deep and get him the ball to where he can work in space. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, Lane Kiffin, we saw what he did as a head coach. No one else wants to ever see that again, which is why he's not a head coach. But as an offensive coordinator, when she gets to just focus on one thing, one thing that he's good at, he does a good job. I mean, we saw what that Alabama offense has done in the past. Their defense which will be interesting to see how they play this year because no more smart there as the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. But it will be really interesting to see what Kiffin's able to do with this offense. Having what's really not a new piece that he's been there, but it's literally like having a new piece because of how little they utilize them and have utilized them. But it will be interesting to see what he's able to do going forward this year. I'm excited to see how he does, especially with the hype around him. So that will be very fun to watch. Well, another person I'm going to bring up that I feel like he could be the same thing as Howard, just on the other side of the ball for Alabama, is um, Jonathan Allen, the defensive end. or I I want to say he's a defensive end for Alabama because – this offensive line was so stacked last year that he didn't play as much because you had an Sean Robinson, you had a Jaron Reed on that line to where 
it's just he didn't play as many snaps. Now that those two are gone, I think Jonathan Allen on the defensive side could be a guy that really flourishes at Alabama, him and Deshaun Hand. Oh, absolutely. I agree with you because these big guys for Alabama on, on the defensive side, they're good. I mean, you don't hardly ever have one that comes out of there that you're going, Matt Schultz, he's really struggling or he struggled in his career there. It just doesn't happen. Those guys are really good, they're really big, and they're really physical, and that's what makes them so good. But I think that's going to do it here for the primetime podcast. Brandon, we got through it. You on the phone driving home. Nothing uh, nothing bad has happened. So we got through an entire podcast with you, and I can't wait to have you back in studio for next week's show. This is where I say all the fun stuff, where if you're listening on SoundCloud, go ahead, hit that like button, that repost button, like and subscribe on YouTube. But more importantly... If you love Most Valuable Podcast and you're thinking, hey, I love supporting you guys by listening each and every week. I just wish there was another way for me to support you. Go ahead and check out our Patreon page. we got some cool goals and goals for us that we want to hit and rewards for you guys because we want to reward you guys for the support that you give us each and every day. So if you can give us a little bit extra support, There are some cool rewards on our Patreon page for you guys, for you guys to earn. And we love giving you guys because you guys make, you you guys make doing this fun. And that's the whole thing of it. Like me and Brandon love doing the primetime podcast each and every week because of listeners like you. I'm on Twitter at Ricky Widmer. Brandon is at young underscore swan 19. Most valuable podcast is at most valuable pod. If you have not already Go check out our new logo. Tell us down below in the description what you think of that. But as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.